0: This is from the true Dharma I case fifty five Dongshan's Dharma body. The main case. Dongshan Dianjie was once asked by a monk among the three Buddha bodies, which one expounds the Dharma? Dongshan said, I am always intimate with this. Later, another monk asked Kao Shan. Dongshan said, I am always intimate with this. What does it mean? Kao Shan said, If you need a head, chop my head off and take it with you. Also, another monk asked Jefeng about this. Jefeng suddenly hit the monk with a staff and said, I have also been to Dongshan. The commentary. This monk is questioning Dongshan and wants to break the truth of the universe into fragments and segments. The old master holds up intimacy for him to see. Later, this became a sticking point for Zen monks all over China. Shan offers his head to make the same point, but it does not seem to settle the matter. Another monk brings it up with Zhe feels the sting of his staff. Dongshan plays a tune that few can hear. Kaoshan, hearing it, knows how to dance to it. And Zhe Feng, seeing it all come down, claps out the beat. Can you hear them? Although it's a three-part harmony, it is, in reality, just one thing. See into it here, and you too will be able to join in and make it a quartet. The capping verse. The old master's intimacy is indeed touching. But until you know the skin of your own face, you will never know it. And yet, you cannot avoid it. So since the beginning of of the pandemic our ability to maintain traditional practice has been greatly curtailed. And as a Sangha we have adapted to the limitations quite well and we're able to keep some level of continuity. So we should definitely be grateful for that and be grateful for all the tools that we have to maintain some level of practice going. But we also need to acknowledge that the usual sustenance we get from in-person intensive training period is not available these days. Getting together for a regular basis to sit together in Zazenkais and Sashins goes a long way in terms of sustenance for spiritual deepening and maturation. And it tends to put things in perspective as we deal with our everyday challenges. Those of you who have been maintaining formal practice for a number of years can attest to the transformative power of a how it calms down the internal dialogue, how it washes away the density of our rigid self. What seems to be what seems to be easy before is the after Sishin is a lot denser before session. Something happens, something changes. There is before, there is a sense of before and a sense of after. Things don't change, but we do. It changes us. We become more malleable. We become more flowing. So there's a great power in keeping up with a practice that is essentially rooted in a traditional lineage. And lately I've been thinking a lot about how we can turn to our tradition and tap this power. Even now, even at times that the usual events are just not available for us. which actually among other reasons, this prompted me to talk about Linji in the last show and about Dongshan in this Teisho. Linji is the founder of the Rinzai school. Dongshan is the founder of the Soto school. And they each had different styles of teaching. And one may have come across as harsh or blunt, while the other is more gentle and deeply subtle. And some people may choose to compare the two styles in terms of conduciveness or effectiveness. But this way of engaging the practice only leads to sectarianism and may shroud the profound power that arises from interlacing the teachings of these two great masters. So if we want our practice to give rise to wisdom, we need to open up to bluntness as well as to gentleness. And it means to be willing to give or receive a blow and to be willing to give or receive a hug. Is one more conducive than the other? Is one better than the other? That depends. Sometimes this is what's needed. Sometimes that is what's needed. Who am I to know? Right? Who are we to know? How can we know what is needed? How do we judge what we receive? What are the parameters? And essentially it is based on what is most skillful in dissolving the barriers at any given time. Professor Masunaga gave a very lucid description of both aspects, both aspects as essential to spiritual maturation and he described it in relation to Keizan and Dogen, both were in the Soto lineage, but it can also be applied very well to Dongshan and Linji. So he said, as regards to basic thought on Buddhism and faith in the Buddha, Dogen and Keizan were the same, but they differ in personality and environment. Dogen was rigorous and stern, but Keizan was mild and gentle. Generally we need two kinds of activities in spiritual training. On one hand, we must go ahead and deepen our spiritual experience. On the other hand, we must lead others to the depth of the spiritual experience. We must let them enjoy the knowledge of the Dharma and the practice of Zen. Kazan was the right person to lead others to this joy. He was the friend of the common people, he met everything with warm heart and shared the joy of others. These are the characteristics of a true man of religion, of spirituality. The Soto school, the Soto Zen, was established by the stern fatherly character of Dogen and the compassionate motherly character of Keizan. The Soto sect was founded by Dogen, but consolidated by Keizan. The profound philosophy of the Soto sect was built by Dogen and clearly explained by Kazan. Dogen educated few disciples. Kazan profited the multitude. In the Soto sect, the two patriarchs are compared to two wheels of a cult. For if one is lacking, the other will be of no use in fulfilling its purpose. It's very clear. We tend to want one side, one wheel. For different reasons. It really doesn't matter why. But in reality, for practice' sake, we need to turn to the wheel we want to reject. So last week we examined Linji's style as the blunt wheel. Now let's look at Dongshan's style as the gentle. This Quran brings up a conversation between Dongshan and one of the monks in his Sangha. The monk is asking, among the three Buddha bodies, which one expounds the Dharma? Three Buddha bodies. So Mahayana Buddhism describes three manifestations of the Buddha or Trikaya. The Dharmakaya, the body of reality which encompasses all things as the truth itself, unborn, undying, beyond form and formlessness. The Sambhogakaya, the body of bliss or reward, which is referring to a state of at-one-ment, when a person attains realization and is living an awakened life. The Nirmanakaya, the body of the Buddha as a person in this form, through which she expounds the Dharma and helps other beings come to realization brings up an analogy from medicine that illustrates the relationship between the three bodies so we can see them as one the dalmakaya he said is medical knowledge the sambhogakaya is the education that the doctor receives through which he or she realizes the knowledge of the dalmakaya and the nirmanakaya is the act of utilizing this training to help heal other people which is very much what we're doing He says, more simply, the Dharmakaya is wisdom, the Sambhogakaya is the realization of wisdom, and the nirmanakaya is the utilization of wisdom, actualizing the fundamental point. And there's another description of the Trikaya by a professor from a Buddhist study in Naropa University who said, Buddhism teaches that within each of us is Buddha nature, the immaculate, pure state of enlightenment, embodied in perfected way by the Buddha. What is this Buddha nature? It is nothing other than the three bodies of fully awakened one or the three bodies experienced and expressed as one. Buddhism affirms, in other words, that the three bodies, the three kayas, in their integral, pure and mature form are within us at this very moment. Yet, obviously, We do not experience the three kayas in their full and perfected form. When they arise as the background of every moment of our lives, we instantly overlay or obscure them with the habitual distorting tendencies of our ego. So, At the heart of it, the teachings of the three bodies of the Buddha are offered as a guide for us to expand beyond our limited ability to comprehend. We want to comprehend, we want to understand, but we need to get beyond that in order to embody and to understand them as and function as integrated rather than segmented. So the commentary said, this one questioning Dongshan wants to break up the truth of the universe into fragments and segments. The old master holds up intimacy for him to see. The monk is asking, which one of the three bodies expand the Dharma? And the footnote says, simply, show me one of the three bodies and I will tell you. Show me one, you show me all. Experience one fully, you experience all three. Dongshan said, I am always intimate with this. From early age, Dongshan felt some level of intimacy with the truth. But still, he had to venture out on a long spiritual journey before he was able to to experience it fully and to trust it fully. Which is pretty much like us. It's what brings us to practice that some level of knowledge or knowing that there is something there but it gets obscured, obscured very quickly, so we have to keep going. So Dongshan's story. Dongshan got involved with Buddhist studies as a teenager, and at some point when he was working on the halt Sutra, he came to the sentence, there is, no, there is no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body or mind. He looked at it, and suddenly put his hand on his face and asked his teacher, I do have eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and so forth. How then can the sutra say that there are no such things? His teacher was not quite ready to deal with such direct questions, so he sent him to search for a more appropriate teacher. So Shan set foot on the road, and the first teacher he visited was Quan, disciple of Matsu. The visit happened to fall on the eve of an anniversary of Matsu's death. In preparation for the memorial ceremony, Nankuan asked his monk, Tomorrow we will have Matsu's feast, but will Matsu come or not? The monks were unable to answer. Dongshan then stepped forward and said, if he has a companion, he will come. Profoundly impressed by the young visitor Nanquan remarked Although this person is still youth he is excellent material to carve and polish When Dongshan heard this comment he said let not the venerable abbot debase a free person into a slave This is a very important line and we have to keep that in mind when we study, when we practice, when we work with a living tradition. A living tradition. A living tradition doesn't have much to do with what happened before. It has everything to do with what, how we meet what happened before today through the uniqueness of this body, this person who is sitting on this cushion. Otherwise, it's not a living tradition. It's a tradition, but it's dead. So to study Zen in a conducive way, we need to raise deep sense of inquiry. We need to be curious. Have the courage to go against the grain and be willing to be guided by a teacher and supported by a Sangha. And we have to practice with a strong trust that we are on the path of realizing Buddhahood rather than becoming or creating a Buddha. We just chanted, from the beginning, all beings are Buddha. It's just saying simply that although we feel disconnected, incomplete, damaged often, from the beginning, there has never been a question about perfection and wholeness. we still have to verify it on our own. So it seems that Dong Shan had this strong trust and when he heard Nan Kwan saying although this person is still his youth excellent material to carve and polish he said, do not say that. Do not change anything to anything else. It means to know that we need to study and deepen and at the same time to know that nothing needs to be carved or molded. To understand that you must inquire and ask questions with they trust that everything is already revealed. And it's the most efficient way to study is to have some basic trust of completeness or incompleteness from birth and at the same time to trust that this completeness needs to be brought out through determined practice with guidance and support. So after this exchange with Nankuan, Dongshan visited another great master, Kui Shan, and inquired about the teaching he heard from the national teacher, inquired if it's true that the inanimate Things can expound the Dharma. And if so, how is it that we do not hear their expounding? So this morning I asked you to look at the this place you call home. With different eyes. With fresh eyes. Like you have never been there before. What is this place? What is this thing? I know I call it a couch. But what is it? And what is it telling me? Do I ever take the time to listen to the couch, the rug, the refrigerator, or do I ask, well, what is it giving me? If it's not giving me anything, it is not saying anything, so my attention can drift somewhere else, look for something or someone that is giving me something that I need. How does the inanimate expound the Dharma? Does it? That was the question. So Dongshan, the seeker, questioned whether a rock can expound the Dharma. And in this koan, Dongshan, the master, is being asked among the three bodies of the Buddha which one expounds the Dharma? Are these two different questions? So after some discussions, Kuei Shan finally said, The mouth which my parents gave me will never explain it to you. Somewhat puzzled, he asked Kuei Shan whether he knew another master with him with whom he can study. I didn't do it yet. There was still this puzzling question within him. And Kuei Shan suggested Yunyan. Dong Shan went to see him. And immediately upon arriving, he asked, When the inanimate inanimate beings expound the Dharma, who can hear it? Nguyen said, the inanimate can. Dongshan then asked, do you hear it? Nguyen said, if I did, you would not hear my expounding the Dharma. Dongshan was still skeptical as to whether the inanimate being or inanimate beings could really expand the Dharma. Nyunyan then raised his Hosu. Here is a Hosu. Fly whisk. And he asked, do you hear this? Can you hear this? Or is something wrong with your audio? Check your audio. Or check how you listen and you may be able to hear it. So can you hear it? Dong Shan said no I do not hear. Thereupon Yunian said if you do not even hear my sermon how can you expect to hear the Sermon of the Inanimate? And then he, ha- he added have you not read the Amitabha Buddha Sutra streams, birds and trees are all chanting Buddha and Dharma. At that point, Dongshan was made aware of the truth and composed a verse to record his experience. How wonderful, how wonderful, the inanimate expounding the Dharma. What an ineffable truth. If you try to hear it with your ears, you will never understand it. Only when you hear it through the eye will you know it is. And you can see why the Soto Zen is known as the style of silent illumination. The style of silent illumination. Why? Because it is all the time being expounded. All the time. Everything is singing it and so often we are so busy to take the time and listen, we are so vested in so many things, when we do take the time and intimately sit with an object or look at an object and merge with the object. Who is listening? And who is expounding? So after this verse, Yun Yan asked him, Are you happy now? Dong said, I do not say that I am not happy, but my happiness is like that of someone who has picked up a bright pearl from a heap of garbage. The bright pearl was in reference to his insight And the heap of garbage was alluding to the habitual stream of thoughts which was also present while he had encountered the absolute. So we have those kind of glimpses. We see it. We get in touch. Especially in the middle of Sashin. When the body aches. When we are hungry. When we are tired. We want to go home when all this subsides for a moment, there it is. And then at the same time, there is the habitual thinking process, the complaining, the comparisons, the judgments, all of it, at the same time. Are we different than Dongshan? Was Dongshan different than us? Dongshan then stayed with Yunyan and, and studied with him after a long time, succeeded to him. Just when Dongshan was about to depart, he said, if in the future someone happened to ask whether I can describe the Master's truth or not, how should I answer? So after a long pause, Yunian said, tell them just this is it. And Dongshan sighed. Then Yunyan said, "Worthy Liang, now that you have taken on this great affair, you must consider it carefully. Which, again, another line we should consider carefully. You know, we, we say we are Zen practitioners. What does that mean? Not what it meant yesterday or last week. What does it mean today? Does it mean something? moment by moment, day by day? Or does it mean something when it's time to sit zazen? Time to show up for morning service? What does it mean? You must consider it carefully. Dongshan continued to experience doubt, even after that. And later, as he crossed the stream, he saw his reflection in the water, And was awakened to union's meaning. And then he composed this famous verse. Avoid seeking it elsewhere. For that's far from the self. Now I travel alone. Everywhere I meet it. Now it's exactly me. Now I am not it. It must thus be understood to merge with thusness. It must thus be understood to merge with thusness. And this is bearing witness to that which is bearing witness. And this is what Dongshan meant when he said, I am always intimate with this. He was always intimate with this. He was not always aware of being always intimate with this. Big difference there. So the word about this exchange got around and later another monk asked Kaoshan. Dongshan said, I am always intimate with this. What does it mean? And the footnote says, you have come to the wrong place to find the meaning. Shan said, if you need a head, chop my head off and take it with you. And the footnote says, or asks, which part expounds the Dharma, the head or the body? We give value to things based on our personal thoughts and feelings. And by doing so, we foster a heavily differentiated sense of appreciation. In other words, we are very stingy with our appreciation. We're also very stingy with being present. Is it worth my full attention? Or 50% is enough now? I don't know. I don't want to give it full attention. Because there's really nothing there because I don't like it because it's boring because there's something else better than this because I'm going to keep some of the attention for something better does it ever come? does it ever stay? is there anything worth our attention more than this ever? And we may think that the truth lies in one thing more than another. But every drop of water is equally telling of the entire ocean. Everything is equally telling of the same truth. Do we hear it? Do we want to hear it? Maybe that's a better question. Because if we hear this, We may not hear ourselves anymore. So Kaushan is offering his head to show that the answer does not lie in chopping up and dividing. You want to do it? Go ahead, do it. That won't do either. You want to trash it? Trash it. You want to cherish it? Cherish it. It's up to you. Kaoshan was a disciple of Dongshan. Actually, together they established the Soto School. And like Dongshan, from the onset of his studies, Kaoshan also showed some basic inclination of an intrinsic aspect of his being. He knew the place of no place even before he began his formal study. So upon meeting Kaoshan, Dongshan said, what is your name? And Kaoshan said, Benji. That was his family name. Dongshan said, what is your transcendent name? And Kaosha said, I can't tell you. Why not? There I am not named Benji. Or there I have no name. And there is here. So are we ready to let go of the name? Are we ready to let go of this place we call home? And this person who we think, is living here. And then the third time, third time this was brought up, a monk asked Jefeng about this. Jefeng suddenly hit the monk with his staff and said, I have also been to Dongshan. And the footnote that says, in the heat of the kitchen, he obtained Dongshan's Dalma. And this is because Jefeng actually served as a rice cook at Dongshan's monastery. And one day, as he was straining the rice, Dongshan asked him, Do you strain the rice from the sand, or do you stra- strain the sand from the rice? And Feng said, Sand and rice are both strained all at once. Dongshan said, Well, in that case, what will the monks eat? Feng then tipped over the rice pot, spilled it, the whole thing, to the ground. Dongshan saw that and said, You should go. Your affinity accords with Deshan. That was his style of teaching. It's interesting, right? Some people need to study with some teachers. Other people need to study with other teachers. Why? Depending where we're at. Depending what we're ready to to listen to. It depends on what will be the catalyst for awakening. When Jiefeng left Dongshan, Dongshan asked him, "Where are you going?" Jiefeng said, "I'm returning to Lingzhong." Dongshan said, "When you left Lingzhong to come here, what road did you take?" Jiefeng said, "I took the road through the Flying Ape Mountains." Dongshan said, "And what road are you taking to go back there?" "I'm returning the same road." Dongshan said, "There is someone who doesn't take the road." Do you know him? There's someone who doesn't live here in this house. Do you know him or her? Zhe said, I don't know. I don't know this person. Dong said, why don't you know him? jefeng said, because he doesn't have a face. Dong Shan said, if you don't know him, how do you know he doesn't have a face? How do we know that we don't know? So when you go to Dokusan and you ask the question and you say I don't know how do you know you don't know how can you be so sure that you don't know and Jeff Feng was silent after that so the commentary wraps up the three these three dialogues and brings them to one point Dongshan plays a tune that few can hear Kao Shan hearing it knows how to dance to it. And Feng, seeing it all come down claps out the beat. Can you hear them? Although it's a three-part harmony, it is in reality just one thing. See into it here, and you too will be able to join in and make it a quartet. You too will be able to join this great tradition. How do we join this great tradition? Well, for one, we can turn our attention to the profound teachings of these great masters and learn from the ways they expounded the Dharma, actually learn from the ways they came across the Dharma, deepened their understanding, had realization, expounded the Dharma, the way they lived and the way they died. Not to emulate, never to emulate, but to bring it to life, to bring it to fruition, to bring to fruition what they brought to fruition. Back then. So I'd like to turn the attention to Dongshan's death when he was about to die. And it says, the description says, Dongshan was above all a great teacher with his attention wholly on the needs of his disciples. He remained a selfless teacher up to the very end of his earthly life. The scene of his last days is most touching. Sometime in the spring of the year of 869, he fell sick. A monk asked him, Master, you're sick. Is there someone who is not sick? Dongshan said, Yes, there is. The monk asked, Does the one who is not sick look after you? Dongshan replied, This old monk is able to look after others. The monk asked, How about when you look after others? And Dongshan said, then the having of sickness is not seen. So, when Dongshan was about to die, he had his attendants help him shave his head, bathe, and get dressed. And then he had the bell rung to summon his monks so that they could bid farewell to him. He then appeared to have passed away, and the monks began wailing profusely. Suddenly Dongshan opened his eyes and said to them, Homeless monks aren't attached to things. That is their authentic practice. Why lament an odorous life and a pitiful death? Dongshan then instructed the temple director to organize a delusion banquet. The monk's adoration to Dongshan was unending. And seven days later the food was prepared. Dongshan had the final meal with the congregation. And then, after the meal, he said, When I pass, please don't make a big deal about it. Dongshan then returned to his room, and sitting upright, passed away. Why lament? Dongshan, last verse, last verse before he died, said, Students are as numerous as sands in the Ganges, but none are awakened. They blunder by searching for the path in another person's mouth. If you wish to forget form and not leave any traces, wholeheartedly strive to walk in emptiness. So this was Dong Shan's verse. Linji's last verse said, If one asks how is it along the floor without end, real illumination, boundless, bespeaks it to him. Apart from names and characterizations, people don't understand. Once the sword is used, it should immediately be polished. Do you see the the connection between those two verses? There's one thing about it. There's only one thing we should hear. And we can sum it up with determination if we are not determined, if we are not wholeheartedly giving ourselves to that, it will not be seen. It will not be heard. If we are not committed, there is no harmony. There is no unity. With everything, anything, whatever it is, a relationship, a job, anything. If we don't give ourselves fully to that, there is a gap. And a gap equals pain. And the verse in his Quran says, The old master's intimacy is indeed touching. But until you know the skin of your own face, you will never know it. And yet you cannot avoid it. It is always thus. It is always, always been this way. Or we can live and die without experiencing it. You know, what seems to be restrictive and as the Zazenkai, for example, or Sishins, you know, what seems to be restrictive is actually very kind and freeing. But we have to raise the heat off the furnace. We have to be willing to go directly into the furnace. To be able to experience transmutation. Liu Yil Ming an 18th century Taoist adept and scholar of Buddhism and Confucianism said when alchemists cook medicine first they must steady the furnace and set up the cauldron. This is our practice. Steady the furnace and set up the cauldron. The quality of the cauldron is firmness. Where, whereby the medicine is, is contained. The quality of the furnace is flexibility, whereby the firing is operated. If the cauldron is not strong, the medicine is easily lost. If the furnace is not steady, the fire flies off at random. What I realize as I observe this is the Tao of refining body and mind. Fairness of determination in cultivation the way is the cauldron. Becoming stronger with perseverance, never turning back, even though foiled by hundred times. hundred times, being impenetrable, unwavering. This is setting up the cauldron. Alert observation at all times is the furnace. Working gradually, serenely unpressured unpressured this is steadying the furnace when the cauldron and furnace are stabilized properly you burn the way the acquired you burn away the acquired habits that have become compulsive over the course of personal history thus bringing to light our original state of completeness sweeping away all acquired pollutants To burn away, moment by moment, as Suzuki said, to burn like a good bonfire. Nothing remains. Nothing remains. Nothing before, nothing remains, nothing after. It is very simple. The the instruction is very simple. Keep going forward. Do not regress. Fall down. Get up. Keep going now especially now that all the usual stuff is just not available so here we are zazenkai from home is it home look around zazenkai that's all it is wholeheartedly and you know it does actually change you know when you guys were chanting Haku in the song of Zazen. I made the bows as I always do before Taisho. Was it different? Yes. Was it the same? Yes. It was. It is. When we make something off it, it's only different. It's only different. When we don't make anything off it, It's always the same, yet allowed to be different. In fact, different is not an obstacle. So what if we're home? So what if we're not sitting together in the Zendo? So what, in not because we don't miss each other, but so what in terms of deepening our practice? So what? We are very capable of going deep at all conditions even now very capable. We are also very capable of adapting and changing. I think often that we are not, we don't appreciate how capable we are of change. By birth we come into this world equipped with changing in the blink of an eye. Equipped with the tools that's needed For this to happen but we don't trust it so let's trust it let's work with these ingredients these current ingredients without complaining without judging without waiting for anything else to happen even without waiting for an end to this pandemic let's not even wait for that This is all there is. And you know what? If we don't listen now, we're not going to listen later either. We convince ourselves that, well, later I will listen because later all these obstacles are going to be gone. So I can finally listen. Please don't fool yourself. If you don't do it now, you will not do it later. So do it now. Thank you.